Well, as we've already said, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. And let me say that even if you haven't had a natural child, I want you to know that God has a call on every woman's life to be a mother. Did you know that? I know, I know different women in my life that, that didn't have their own children. But you know what? They became spiritual moms to others, right? They became, uh, if you will, uh, it's, it, it, there's many that have said it takes a village to raise them. And they became mothers alongside other mothers to help to, uh, to guide and to speak into and to love and encourage other people's children. And so uh, happy Mother's Day just doesn't apply to those who have given natural birth. But come on, somebody, those who are willing to spiritually birth wonderful things in others' lives. Amen. And so we wish you a very happy Mother's Day. And, and I think I would fall short if I didn't share a Mother's Day joke. How many of you have ever heard of little Johnny? Uh, little Johnny jokes, right? Well, little Johnny, he was watching his mother as one evening she was applying face cream to her face. And little Johnny's like, what you doing, mama? And she said, well, honey, I'm putting cream on my face. Well, what for? Because it helps to make me beautiful. A few minutes went by and mom starts to wipe the cream off with a tissue. And little Johnny looks up and giving up too soon, mom. I know that you ladies have, uh, that have children have experienced some of those little uh, quirky comments that they can make to you. And it's, uh, it's quite interesting how they might uh, be a little off color. You know, no kid wants to say to their mom they're not beautiful. Amen? Come on, somebody. But they can make some of the craziest comments that make us laugh. Amen? Listen, last week, uh, Warren and I actually preached the same message. We collaborated. I was in Florida. He was here. And uh, we preach, don't give up on your dreams. And I want to talk to you this morning about moving forward to, to press forward towards what lies ahead. To understand that God has called us to reach forward to what he has prepared for us. What lies ahead according to his will in our life. But I want to give you a recap of last week, what we preached. is Don't give up on your dreams. And I'll share the specific scripture here that should inspire all of us to never give up on our dreams. That God has plans for us. He has a calling for our life. He's prepared things for us. And we're going to talk a little bit deeper today about how we tap into what God has prepared for us. But Habakkuk 2 and 3 says this, These things I, that I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely. Say slowly. Come on, say slowly. Steadily. And surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Now I know that each and every one of us have had moments in our life. We've prayed for things. God's spoken things into our life. And we felt like he's a little late on delivery. Come on now. It's like, God, sometimes I feel like UPS, you know, or, uh, you know, what's the other one? Uh, FedEx. FedEx, you know, that, Lord, they, they kind of say two days, and two days is it, right? Sometimes. But for the most part, right, they deliver on time. Let me say this. Your God never fails to deliver what he's promised to you exactly when it needs to be there. Now, I, I've come to those places in my life where I've said, I just don't know, God. I 
I kind of think that uh, you're missing a lot of opportunities to be early with this. Mm -hmm. It's like, Lord, I know you're always on time. The Bible says you're always on time, but I really feel like, you know, you're missing some opportunities here. You've got a real, real opportunity to be early on what I'm asking for. Well, let me say that God always delivers on time. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus, in the fullness of time, the Bible says that God sent forth his son. When it was time, God sent his son. When it is time in your life, God will send you the answer that you need. You know, that the challenge, right? The challenge isn't the yeses and the noes. The challenges are what? You ever heard this before? Wait. Uh, we don't have challenges with God when we pray about the yeses and noes so much. If God's like, no, and you're like, ooh, that was a pretty clear no, well, we can kind of go with that. And we may not like it, but we can go with it because God has spoken clearly to us. And the yes, it's like, oh, yeah, man, God, I'm totally on board with when you say yes to me. Come on. But it's when God says, wait. Those are the hard moments. And so we share with you that dreams are destinations that require determination. You've got to have determination to get to the destiny that God has called you to. That dreams give us the ability to see opposition as an opportunity. You know, nothing good has ever been attained without some effort put to it. There's going to be opposition at times to what God's called you to do. But see, every opposition, right? All those things that are challenges know that they're working patience in your life. And we need patience, right, to trust God. And then dreams inspire us to reach for the inconceivable because with God, nothing is impossible. The things that, that God can do in our life are so much bigger than us. I love how Pastor Warren said last week to you that, that if, if, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. God's not it. You've got to have something that's bigger than yourself. If you can accomplish all of it, where did God have an opportunity to show you that he's a miracle worker? Come on. I want to know my God, the miracle worker. Amen? So I want to dream big enough. Why? Because with God, nothing... Or, or is or ever shall be impossible. Amen. So that's kind of a recap of last week. Let me give you just a, a quick, because uh, I don't have a mu much time. We had a good time in worship this morning. Didn't they do a good job? Mm -hmm. If you're going to clap, clap for the Lord and honor them. Amen. Uh, so Philippians 3.13 says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Being able to let go of things that have gone by and reach forward to what God is calling you to do. Has anybody ever been going along and then God says, hey, right turn here? Come on. You're going this way and you think you're doing everything that God's told you to do and all of a sudden God says, hey, I've got a new direction for you. Amen? And here's, here's, here's the interesting part about that. Um, we can be going along together and all of a sudden God has a word for somebody else and they're going to go that way and you're going to go this way. Do you know that, uh, that uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas had a, had a moment where they went different ways in their ministry? Did you know that? Do you know that Jesus, the Bible says, they're all walking together, all 12 of them walking together with Jesus and what all of a sudden happens? Jesus sends them out two by two. Did you know a church is not measured by what it keeps, it's measured by what it sends? And you as a church, that's what we're doing when we're in Largo, Florida, that there's a sending aspect to that, that we're being sent down there to do a work. And here's the response from them. There aren't too many churches that have a mindset to send. 
that, that the churches that will make that kind of effort to, to take that kind of uh, challenge and, and to dream a dream for more than just our four walls, more than just our locale. Well, let me say that I was asked a couple of weeks ago to, to preach uh, in an online service uh, into Pakistan, actually into the 1040 window. And when they asked me to do it, here's what we're going to do, here's how this is going to be done. And I'm sitting here going, man, this, I've never done that before. I don't, what will that be like? Well, since COVID hit, you know, we've done more online, you know, communication, even when you don't have an audience. Come on, somebody. Do you know that, that, that if you amen and you'll owe me sometimes, it's like, oh, that's me, pastor, or amen, pastor. I agree with that. You know what amen and owe me means, right? Owe me, that's me. Pastor, get off my toes right now, you know, come on. But amen is I agree with that. Amen. Let it be as you have said. Amen? Amen? And so when the congregation responds, let me, let me say that it's like gasoline to a fire. It's like saying sick them to a dog when a congregation says amen to, to the pastor preaching. I'll just sit down and be quiet like you then. We won't have fun in here. You know what I'm saying? But, so I'm going to do an online service and we're preaching online and it's kind of like, okay, here's what's going to happen. There's three of you. There's a facilitator. You're going to be in a Zoom meeting, but it's going to go through YouTube into a TV station that broadcasts to 180 countries through the 1040 window. I'm like, okay, that's different. So it's Zoom into YouTube into the TV station that goes into all those countries. They're like, that's right. And there'll be, there'll be hundreds of thousands of people that will actually be watching because they set up these locations where people will walk for days to come and see the messages. To see these you know, preachers that are talking from America. Come on, somebody. And somebody's there interpreting what's being said. Is that not awesome? They, they, you can be right here in America. I was in Largo, Florida that, that, for, for that sun, or Sunday, for that uh, Thursday, and, and we did that, and all of a sudden what happens is, is that, uh, you know, we log in, we're there, and there's three of us. You get 18 minutes, you get 18 minutes, and you get 18 minutes. And every one of you bring the word. Now, here's the deal. I'm the new guy, Right? And the new guy, I don't know, has anybody ever, you know, in conferences and stuff like that, let the new guy speak first. Why? Because you got to build momentum, and then on the last one, man, you got to bring it home. Agreed? Anybody that's ever been a part of something is like, man, we got to nail this. Let the, let the new guy go first, right? Let, let the next, you know, this guy's pretty good, and then let, so, so these other guys, I'm like, man, they're way better than me, so, so I'm, I'm going first. I'm cool with that. I, and I'm new to it. They've done it before. Get on there, and the guy goes, here's the order. Derek, you're going to back clean up. And I'm like, I'm going to what? I'm not the home run hitter here. But frankly, every single one of them, those other speakers, man, they, they nailed it. I mean, it was out of the gate with the gospel message. And you got you to picture over 100,000 people were watching is what the stats were coming in, 100,000 people watching the program. At the time we're doing it, more people will watch afterwards. But we speak, and then the stats come in that 35,000 people called in and responded to Jesus Christ through a call to give their life to Jesus Christ. Every one of us gave an altar call to give their life to Jesus Christ. But 35,000 people responded. i got to tell you, I mean, I was moved to tears. Because I'm thinking we're doing this message, but I, have, I don't understand. Come on, somebody. Can you say that's beyond what you could imagine? Do you think I imagined 35,000 people through one message? But that's what's going on all the time in these other countries where they're getting the gospel in these dark places in the 1040 window when the gospel's presented and the light shines in such a dark place. What happens is, is people respond to Jesus. Let me say that America, while we, it, look, it's a beacon of light to the world, right? Would you all agree with that? America is a great nation. 
But sometimes what happens is we can become lukewarm in the midst of all of the comforts that we have as a country where it comes to following God. Somebody say, oh me. I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm stepping on my own toes. You know, we get comfortable and we like what we've got and we have to understand that God's not looking for lukewarm Christians. He's looking for people who are passionate, who are all in. Can you say amen? God's looking for people all in. Let me, let me uh, uh, kind of break this down a little bit more. See, Paul knew something about what lied ahead of him. He had faith for what lied ahead of him because he knew that it was God that was working and going before him. Look what it says uh, uh, here in 1 Corinthians 2.9. And, and you might write this down. Loving God is the key to reaching what lies ahead. Loving God is the key to reaching what lies ahead. You can't reach what God has put before you unless you can love Him wholeheartedly with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Amen? Listen to it here. And most of us have read this scripture before. But as the scripture says, no one has ever seen. Say seen. No one has ever heard. Say heard. No one has ever imagined. Say imagine. What God has prepared for those who love him. Now I was reading this scripture as I was thinking through this. And in the aspect of dreams and, and all that we dream and the thing. And where God's taken us and those things that lie ahead of us that God's prepared for us. And I read this, and I know I've read it before, and I get it. I get that God does things for us. But sometimes we can approach a scripture and we see it that no one has ever seen. Say no one. We read that and we see no one's ever seen. And then we see no one's ever heard. Nor has anyone even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And this is the revelation that struck me from that. Those that love God begin to see what God sees. Those that love God begin to hear what God's saying. And those that love God begin to imagine what God imagines for them. You all of a sudden have a dream that becomes bigger than you because you're tapping into God's imagination for you. Can you say amen? God is dreaming big dreams for you. Don't dream small dreams for yourself. Amen? Our greatest challenge to loving God, though, is loving others. Not loving others is what blocks what lies ahead. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling unto, unto God, it's our, that's, it, it, that is our service. Our calling is to work out our salvation. God will love you so much. But then, you know, my, my, my wife, you know, she, she disrespected me. Come on. Y'all know Angie can be disrespectful, right? No. Angie's very respectful, but, but do we have those times where we're tired and she wants to talk about something? Come on, ladies. Do you ever want to talk to your husband? Come on, it's Mother's Day. This is the day we need to... Re do you ever want to talk to your husband about something? And he's like, I've worked all day. I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> Say, oh me. We know how it's oh me. So uh, those things happen and, and, and what takes place is there can be tensions and our love can get tested in the hard moments of our, our marriages and our relationships but at that moment of testing, there's something greater being tested than just our love for one another. Our love for God is being tested. And when your love for God gets tested, if you don't pass that test, you understand that I can't see what God sees and I can't hear what God is saying and I can't imagine what God's imagining if I'm compromising my love for others. Let me break that down for you. 
Here's what it says in 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? How does God test your love for Him? He watches your love for others. It's that simple. And if you can work out your salvation, do you, you understand that salvation is because of love? And then when you get saved, you're to walk in. Y'all tracking with me today? I think it's better than you're letting on. Every one of us, I'll guarantee you every one of us have someone. It's either at work, it's at home, it's an extended family. How many men have mother-in-laws? Come on, men. Do you have a mother-in-law? Okay. It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. Love. Come on, right? And all the ladies in the house said, amen. Our extended family sometimes can be the, the strain on our love. A stranger can, can sometimes strain our love, right? It's that like, you too, jerk, you know. Or it's like, Could you see Jesus talking to someone like that? I was talking to somebody this past week and they're saying, well, you know, when people in this and people that was down in Florida, I was talking to this and it's like they did this and, you know, the, so it's like these bad people and those bad people. And I'm like, so, so they're bad people. We're not bad people. Y'all understand you're somebody's bad person. You know, somebody's our bad person. But the test that's going on in there is the test of our love for God. The ability to extend forgiveness. The ability to give that unconditional love, even though somebody may not deserve it, is a path. It is the key to achieving, to arriving at what lies ahead, the things that God has prepared for you. Let me clip along here and give you this word, prepare. Cartartizo. Say that, cartartizo. Yeah, come on, cartartizo. Not bad, not bad. I do that because I want you to remember it. It is to complete, to prepare, cartartizo. I fit, join together, compact together, act. I prepare uh, to be perfect, watch, for its full destination. See, your destination, you have a destiny in Christ Jesus. He's prepared things ahead of you. Will you arrive at your destination? I want to say you've got to have determination to get to that destination. And the greatest determination that you can have is determine that you are going to show love to others. Determine that you are going to extend forgiveness to others. Because when you do, the heavens open up, right, to release all that God is prepared for you because when you love others, you're loving God to the fullness of the way He created you to love. Listen to this use to bring into its proper condition, whether for the first time or after a lapse. How many of you, when you came to Jesus, you're like, I just forgive everybody? And then all of a sudden, somebody does something except for you. And then, except for you, right? You start getting, man, they did. And you get your list of wrongs and you start, all of a sudden you start tracking. And it's like, yep, they're on my hit list and they're on my hit list. and Right? And, and I love bringing that song up all the time about how pray for you all right. I'm going to pray your 
wheel goes flying off your car 55 miles an hour as you drive down the road. You know, we, we don't pray prayers that are for their best. We have to know how to return kindness for evil. Love, right? The Bible says let love have no, no hypocrisy. Don't let there be hypocrisy in your love. What does that mean? Work those things out. Have conversations. You aren't going to agree with everybody on everything, but I'll say this to you. Agree with them on one major thing, is that God is love. And I love God, so I'm, going not, I'm not going to let love be compromised because it will only hinder God's destination for my life. Amen? So let me give you three things here that loving God does, and I've already said them a few times. You ready? Loving God gives us the eyes to see. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith in Christ. Faith in, in all that God's capable of doing. What lies ahead for us. A faith in Him. Not faith in faith, but faith in God's ability to work and do more than we think that He's capable of doing. That we currently think, we imagine. But see, if I'm loving on God... It puts me in a different situation. I have eyes to see what I didn't see before. I may not see it in the natural manifesting, but I can see it in the spirit. I can see it with the eyes of faith. And I can call those things that aren't as though they were. Amen. Loving God gives us, number two, loving God gives us the ears to hear. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we were singing earlier and, and, and singing about, you know, speak. That God, they'd speak his word to us. And I, when I was praying and I talked about a rhema, you know, you can read the Bible. It's the logos. It's the written word of God. But the moment that the spirit of God breathes on that for your life and you get a word from heaven and you know what you need to This is my destiny. I know this is where I need to go or what I need to do. That moment where you know that, the conviction that sets in. The faith that rises up, the trust you have to go and to do what God has called you to do. Amen. You can do it without question. Why? Because number three, loving God gives us the power to imagine. It gives us the power to imagine things that we didn't imagine before. How do I know that? Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that we could ask. Here it is again. Or imagine. Imagine, according to the power that works in us. No, no eye hath seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the mind or the imagination of man, of a person, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And I want to tell you that all of a sudden when you're seeing what God is showing you and you're hearing what God is speaking to you, you start to imagine a little bit different. Let me give you a good example of that. How many know who Abraham is? Right over here, sitting in the left, in the blue shirt. Sorry, I probably, it's like, dude, don't point at me. Um, I told him, I said, that's a great name, man. It's like the father of our faith, Abraham. How many of you know Abraham? Things weren't kind of, I mean, he was blessed by God. He had a lot. He didn't have any kids. He had a servant that he could leave everything to. And he's having a conversation with God. He's interacting with the, the God that he loves. God actually called Abraham his friend. We're not going to do this or do that without telling our friend Abraham what we're going to do. Heaven's having a conversation about things they're going to do in the earth. And, and God's saying, hey, we've got to go over and have a conversation with Abraham because he's our friend. He loves me, and I don't want to leave him out of the loop. Come on, how many of you don't want to be out of the loop about what God is saying to you? 
And what happens is, is Abraham's having a conversation with God. He's like, God, you blessed me. I got all this, but I don't, I don't have an heir to leave it to. All I have is a servant. I don't have any kids. And God says, hey, Abraham, take a walk with me. Come out here. Come outside the tent. I want you to look up in the heavens. Now, you understand, he's hearing God speak to him. And then God's like, hey, I want you to come. Take a walk. And now I want you to look. God says, look. Count the stars of the heaven. You know, what do you see? Count them. That's how many children you're going to have. Hey, Abraham, matter of fact, why don't you look at the sands of the, of the sea? I want you to count all the pebbles of sand that are out there. So shall your children be. In that conversation, hearing God and beginning, beginning to look and see what God sees, Abraham starts to imagine something a little bit different than what he was living in. He no longer saw his life as being one without heirs, but rather that he would have heirs that would count like the stars of the heaven and like the sands of the sea. If you can get yourself to a place of being a friend of God, fall in love with Christ, fall in love with God to the place that you have those conversations with him, I want to tell you that God will begin to talk to you. He'll begin to speak to you in that loving manner that, that he does so well. He does, would you all agree that he does better than we do at that? And God will begin to speak to you. And as he speaks to you, he'll call you to look up and to see. To have eyes of faith. To see something that's greater. To hear his word. And it produce faith in you to begin to imagine and dream bigger. Right? Beyond all that you could ask, hope, or even think. God begins to do in your life. Because you embrace his word. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about it. He once said of faith this. Faith sees the invisible, <clears throat> hears the inaudible, touches the intangible, and does the impossible. Let me say it again. Faith sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, touches the intangible, and does the impossible. That's what God wants to do for you. Maybe that's in your health. Maybe you're battling sickness in your body. And you need God to heal you. I'd ask that you to close your eyes right where you're at right now. And if you're battling, battling sickness in your body, know that God wants to do the impossible in your life. He wants to perform a miracle. I can tell you that I've prayed at altars before with people uh, in wheelchairs and they've gotten up and walked. I've, I've prayed at many altars with different people around the world. And I've watched miracles where people are moved to faith because they know how much God loves them. And if I could give you any revelation today, it would be that. Know that God loves you and he wants to do the impossible in your life. So if you're withholding love from anyone in your life, forgive them and extend unconditional love to them so that you're not blocking the blessing of God in your own life. Listen to this. A young psych, psych, uh, psychology student serving in the army decided to test the theory. Drawing kitchen duty, he was given the job of passing out apricots at the end of the chow line. Any army guys in here? Gals? You ever had army apricots? No, thank you. He asked the first of the few soldiers that came by, uh, uh, you don't want any apricots, do you? 
90% said no. Then he tried the positive approach. You do want apricots, don't you? About half answered, uh, yeah, I'll take some. Then he tried the third test based on the fundamental either-or technique, if you will. This time he asked, one dish of apricots or two? And in spite of the fact that the soldiers don't like army apricots, 40% took two dishes and 50% took one. He flipped the 90% nose into one or two scoops. I'll say it this way, uh, you don't want Jesus, do you? I mean, people don't want Jesus in their life, do they? When we hear a lot of that said, like, well, people don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with Christianity. You know what? I read my Bible, and it says sinners in public. They loved him. They all wanted something. You know what? Even the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted something to do with him. It may not have been up to any good, but they wanted something to do with Jesus. They wanted to crucify him, unfortunately, but they wanted something to do with I'm telling you, people want something to do with Jesus. Come on, he's the man who split time. You want, uh, this is the next one. You want Jesus, don't you? You know what I found to be uh, most people that have not given their life to Christ who's been exposed to the gospel and they're like, well, I believe in a God and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Have you ever accepted him as your savior? Well, no. Do you want to? Um, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, you got to ask the question. No, well, I'm, in your mind, you can be, they don't want Jesus. In your own mind, you can be like, you know, watch this. Maybe Jesus doesn't want me. He just doesn't know my, all my faults and failures. He doesn't, you know, or he does know all my faults and failures. He could never want anything to do with me. I want you to know uh, this needs to be kind of your attitude. Do you want one scoop of Jesus or do you want two? So you get the scoop of salvation and everything comes with it. All the promises of God are yes and amen. The Bible says through him, the one that was crucified on the cross for you. I don't know about you, but I want two scoops. Matter of fact, I think I'll move on and say three and four and five. Here's the thing. I want all the healing he can give me. I want all the blessing that he can, you know, I want to be financially blessed, not so I can uh, consume it upon myself, but so I can be a blessing to others. You want to know something? I want my marriage to be a blessing. So that when we're sitting with other people, they're like, our marriage is not a blessing. We can go, our marriage is a blessing, and yours can be too. Do you want one scoop or do you want two? Right? Do you want one scoop or do you want two? Loving God, it's the key to moving forward to what lies ahead in your life. The eagerness in our expectation should be the mark of a believer. Be eager to expect God to do great things in your life. And I close out with this. Romans 12, 9, let us, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Every step of your life, look for an opportunity to, to love. Look for an opportunity to love others because it's the greatest manifestation of your love towards God. And when you do that, you'll have the ears to hear, the eyes to see and a heart that can imagine all that is possible with God. What lies ahead of you, you can forget the things that are behind and you can press toward the mark of the high call of Jesus Christ in your life and you can accomplish it because God is for you. He's not against you. He'll see you through as long as you follow his example. And his example is always going to be love. Amen.